The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you, O Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't want to spoil it for any of you, but we are here today to celebrate Easter. Easter is not only the center of the church here, but as one of my favorite authors writes, it is the turning point of history. From the beginning of time until now, she writes, this is the only thing that has ever really happened. I am here, of course, to say a word about this story, this true story, this only thing that has ever really happened story. But to start, I want to share a different story, a story that happened last week. Last week was the fourth weekend. We celebrated worship together virtually here at St. Philip the Deacon. It was Palm Sunday, Tricia mentioned that. An important and festive day, which I'll say more about in a moment. And after worship was over, I heard from one of our members. She said that as she watched online and listened to the opening chords of the organ, she felt profoundly homesick. My wife at dinner last night, by the way, said she ran into some members of St. Philip Deacon, and all of them had a bet about whether I would get verklempt or choked up. I have a feeling I might, and those of you who 
have experienced that before. Um, I apologize, you'll have to bear with me. Anyway, um, as she listened to the opening chords of the organ, she felt profoundly homesick. That was the only word she said for it. I haven't been away from church for two consecutive weekends in 20 years, and I miss our people. I'm homesick. I wonder if all of us are feeling a little bit homesick this year. And no, I am not making a joke. I realize that some of you may indeed be sick of your homes, sick of being stuck at home, sick of not being able to leave your homes. But I'm talking about another kind of homesickness, a homesickness for normal life, for the regular routines and patterns of life before this pandemic, for the familiar, for life as it used to be. I certainly know that the members of St. Philip the Deacon are feeling this way, missing this community, missing this sanctuary, missing being together. I have heard it from you repeatedly and continue to hear it from you every day. You long to be here, to raise your voices alongside your sisters and brothers, to shake one another's hands, to greet one another in fellowship hall, to ask a simple question of one another face to face. Yes, we at St. Philip the Deacon are homesick for all of that. I am aware, of course, uh, that there are also people participating in worship with us today, though, who are not members of this congregation. There, are, there, al- they, there always are, on a Sunday like Easter, even in a typical year, which we celebrate. But this year, of course, is anything but typical, so I want to say a word to you, to those of you who aren't part of this community. First, there are some of you with us today who belong to another congregation but who aren't able to worship at your own church. And so you've joined us this morning, and to you I say, welcome. We are glad you are here. We are grateful for your presence, and we hope our worship today is meaningful for you. But I also want you to know this. I know that we cannot replace your own community, your own sanctuary, your own traditions. We can't replace the friends who you long to see. And so I pray that you can return soon to the congregation you know and love, because I know that you too are feeling homesick for that community, for your community. Can I also say a word to the many today who are participating with us who aren't particularly involved with any congregation? My hunch is that you may be here today because you are wondering if there is anything for you at a place like this. That impulse... Is there something for me here? Is related, I think, to this sense of homesickness, of wanting to find a home, of wanting to understand more about who you are, where you come from, where you belong, what God has to say to you, what God expects of you. If those questions sound like they apply to you, can I invite you to join us again sometime, maybe even someday in person? Perhaps you will find some answers here to those questions, and perhaps you will feel a bit less homesick. As we say every week, I said it at the beginning of worship today, we really are expecting you, and I hope one day you will take us up on our open invitation to join us, to come and see. There is a reason, after all, that our website says, Welcome Home. So I've talked about homesickness with three groups. I've mentioned our members. I've mentioned those who have a church home but are 
unable as a result of this pandemic to worship there, and I've mentioned those who may be seeking a church home. But there's another group, a final group, for whom I think the word homesick also applies. And that group is Jesus' disciples. Let me say a word about them as it relates to this day, to this story of Easter. The disciples, of course, had left everything to follow Jesus, their families, their fishing nets, their boats, their tax-collecting practice. They left those things because they believed that he, Jesus, had something to offer not only to them but also to the world. And so they traveled with him. They learned from him. They grew under his leadership. And on Palm Sunday, last Sunday, they experienced what they believed was the start of the culmination, the high point of his entire ministry. As it turned out, it was the start of that, but not in the way they expected. They thought that Jesus was finally going to be recognized for who they knew him to be, or at least who they hoped that he was. He was finally going to be acknowledged in all of his importance and significance and glory. He was finally going to be welcomed into that most holy city, Jerusalem, as the king, as the anointed one, as the Messiah. And then over the course of a few days, things went horribly, terribly wrong. On Thursday night, when Jesus and the disciples shared their last meal, their last supper, Jesus was saying strange things about his body and blood. Soon after, Judas, one of the twelve, one of them, helped the authorities find and arrest Jesus. Then Peter, supposedly the rock, the one on whom Jesus said his church would be built, was too cowardly even to admit knowing Jesus at all after his arrest. And then before any of them knew what had happened, Jesus had been tried and sentenced and brutally executed. Their teacher, their rabbi, their leader, their friend was dead. And they were homesick. Now, as I said earlier, I am here to say a word about Easter, to say a word about this story, which is the only thing which has ever really happened. And you may think, aren't we supposed to be talking about Jesus and his resurrection? Why are we worrying about these pathetic disciples. And we're worrying about them, we're spending time with them because in fact the story only makes sense in the context of the disciples. It only makes sense in the context of these homesick followers of Jesus who were after Good Friday devastated, grief-stricken, anxious, and afraid, who wanted to return to normal life, who wanted to return to the regular routines and patterns of life who longed for the familiar, who wanted to get back to life as it used to be. Sound familiar? That's what they wanted. But Jesus had something else in mind entirely. He had a larger, more expansive vision than the disciples had. Through his resurrection, through Easter, Jesus transformed and galvanized these homesick followers of his. He reoriented them. He changed their understanding of, well, everything. After Easter, they came to recognize that what they longed for, what they were seeking, what they were homesick for, was not something in the misty and gauzy memories of their past, but rather was still ahead of them, still in front of them, still present to them. In the gospel account we read today from Matthew, the women go to the tomb and are shocked to find that the stone is rolled away and that Jesus is no longer there. And what does the angel say? Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. And then, 
the angel says this important line, this crucial line, go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. He is going ahead of you, the angel tells these first witnesses to the resurrection. He will meet you not in the past, but in the future. You will find him there, the angel promises, and they do. And they are changed. If this truly is the only story that has ever really happened, then the same, that same Jesus is still going ahead of us, going ahead of you today. He knows and loves us. He knows and loves you just as surely as he knew and loved his first disciples. And like his disciples, his dream for you is larger and more expansive, far larger and far more expansive than any dream you may have for yourself. He knows your fears, your uncertainties, your disappointments, your grief, your worries, your concerns. He knows your anxiety about this pandemic and none of them. None of them are too big for him and his resurrection life. He has left the tomb and he is once again going ahead of you to restore your life, to bring you hope, to extend his peace, to share his love, and yes, to bring you home. For 2,000 years now, Christians have been marking this day with a traditional Easter greeting spoken three times. Will you join me again in this once more as we give thanks for this great celebration of restoration and homecoming? I will say, Alleluia, Christ is risen, you say. Christ is risen indeed, Alleluia. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed, Alleluia. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.